I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today in the show, we give you Web 3.0 101. We talk about identity on the blockchain, and we go into headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. And I want to start the show today by saying I've been getting a lot of questions for our Friday show. We started a listener question Friday. I've been getting some questions. Some of them are really good. And I just want to encourage everybody to keep bringing them in. Keep sending them in. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. And I'm going to try to put them on the air on Friday to answer them for you. So please send me an email, Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. And I'm going to try to get your questions on the show and answer it. And really quick, before we get into the crypto prices, there is this one headline that I'm not going to put at the end of the show, but I'm going to put now. And it's another person sent money to an Elon Musk scam. It's one of those things like if I send you one Bitcoin, you'll send me two sort of thing. And this person sent five Bitcoins or $243,000 to a confirmed Elon Musk giveaway scam. And it actually kind of echoes a lot of things that are happening in my life the past week. I have been seeing people being taken advantage of. Uh, a lot of older people and luckily nothing has happened but i've seen the path that they were going down and i've tried to step in and i've called you know different people to try to help them out and i don't know if this person thought this was a good idea i don't know if this is maybe uh the give it away scam sending money to this address to try to look like it's valid i don't know like anything behind this but all i can think of is somebody that is maybe new to crypto or somebody that bought this Bitcoin a while ago or an older person that maybe is hodling a little Bitcoin and they just didn't know any better. And so I don't know who sent that Bitcoin and I hope that they didn't lose that Bitcoin. I hope that somebody didn't lose $243,000 of Bitcoin. But I guess what I'm trying to say is if you know people that are getting in the space, your mom, your dad, older people, even younger people, whoever is getting in the space and they might be new and you have a little more experience, just make sure that you help them out. You know, extend that offer to them. Like, yo, if you're getting in the crypto space or if you're investing, retail investing, if you're on Robinhood, if you're doing any of these things, you know, you know a little bit more, just maybe get the two heads is better than one sort of philosophy. Or maybe just, you know, help them walk it, walk them through it or something like that. So making sure that people are protected so they don't fall for these things because these are professionals making these scams. And well, I want to protect against that. And I know you do too. Anyway, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 10:30 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in the number one spot, like always, at fifty thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars, up two point five percent from yesterday. Ethereum's up also about a half a percent at one thousand five hundred and ninety-five dollars. Cardano's in the number three spot at one twenty-three, down about two percent from yesterday. While Binance is still in the number four spot at 245.25, down around 3.3%. Tether is in the number five spot, but maybe not for long because Polkadot is coming up at $37.39, down like 0.1% from yesterday, but up 7% in the past week. Total market cap, we're sitting at $1.54 trillion. 
with a BTC dominance of 61.2%. Getting into this first conversation, I welcome Kirk Nielsen, co-founder and president of Partiza, and he's going to tell me what is Web 3.0. Well, and actually he's going to tell us what Web 2.0 is. I don't know either. We'll find out right now. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here because I think you are going to answer one of the most important questions that my listeners have right now because we keep talking about it. We keep hearing about it. Web 3.0. What is Web 3.0? I don't even know what Web 2.0 is. Can you please just explain what is Web 3.0? Maybe and tell us what Web 2.0 is. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and maybe there's not a complete consensus around these concepts, but a, a good place would probably be to start with Web 2.0. So that was a more information-centric type of uh, internet where the protocol was, is very simple. So it's a free flow of information combined with, uh, with business model and a strong network effect. We had this huge concentration of, uh, of power and data, uh, which we see today. And I think Web3.0 is probably a reaction to that. So it's a, about what we are doing today. So more value transfer than information transfer. And it's about a user-centric approach. So it's a decentralized infrastructure that empowers the individuals. So Web 3.0, if, if I can summarize this, is a decentralized value transfer tool. I think that's would be that's my uh, interpretation of the concept, uh, and that's what what we're doing. So we are empowering the the individuals. So blockchain is a good step in that direction, but without uh, real privacy, you will not really have this empowerment of the individuals which we are building into to, to blockchain. And so how do you trust this system? I mean, we're talking about decentralized and, and how, how, does, how do you build around a system of, I mean, you know, one of the things that they say in you know, the blockchain space is don't trust, verify. So I'm going to assume that this is going to be a very decentralized, very uh, verification heavy trust system. Can you explain how that would work? Yes. So, so, it's, uh, so the system that we are building is like uh, any other blockchain. So you have some protocols that... Uh, that uh, allow no single point of trust, allow for no single point of trust, but it also do the same type of decentralized uh, approach to privacy, meaning that you have uh, private data in a decentralized fashion such that no, none of the uh, parties that is computing on the private data know anything about the data itself. So, so and that's the trick to have decentralized uh, ledgers as well as decentralized privacy and then all of that is automated by smart contracts that is running the private computation as well as the the public computations okay so what i heard there is that nobody owns any individual aspect of your web 3.0 presence not your data not your identity this is what i hear so you have control of all of that information am i correct with this yeah, uh, the network have control of uh, all of this information. And, and if it's on the block, if it's on the blockchain, I would assume that you have some sort of encryption algorithm that allows me to have, like, a, for example, private key air quotes uh, to be in control of that data. Yes. So, so this the team behind is uh, it's an amazing group of uh, world leading cryptographers that have been working on on what is called secure multi-party computation all the way back, actually from the late eighties uh, and up to today. Uh, and this is uh, like a feel called, uh, it's, it's about zero knowledge computation. So it's, it's about computing on, on encrypted numbers, which is what allows for this. And so then what is the value proposition for a company that's going to build on Web 3.0? Right now we see that um, 
Google or Facebook have your data. They sell your data. They monetize your data. They use your data to sell products or give it to people so they can target you or many different things. We can go down that rabbit hole all day. What is the value prop then of Web 3.0? Yes, it's a good question. So, so, so one thing is that you you actually offer something to people who are private privacy concerned. Another point is actually that you, with this technology, you could actually have a better uh, uh, have a direct contact with the users. You can ha- allow the users to bring their true preferences and not uh, preferences that is interpreted by big data on secondary data. But actually, the people behind the the transactions are those that you want to interact with. So you know, but you can do that without exposing the the private data of the individuals. So it's opening up for a different types of neutral platforms. But it's but it's clearly it's moving power to to the users. So so there is probably a challenge in in introducing this type of uh, of model in a business model. Again, I'm going to have to ask the same question because I don't think that answered it. What is the value for somebody who's developing on Web 3.0? Like I said, um, Facebook gets their money from advertisers and selling your data. If I was going to develop Facebook 3.0, where the individual has the ability to really, and not pseudoly, but really control the permissions of their data, their identity, and the stuff that they are throwing out there on the interwebs, uh, how does the company that built that Facebook 3.0 make money? Well, they make money by offering the ability to for the users to get that power to get that better uh, connection, maybe between advertisers and and the users. So, uh, so that is a competitive edge to the existing uh, solution, both in terms of actually a better match, but also uh, in, through simply empowering the the users and thereby getting the the users attracting the users. So, if I was going to summarize Web, web 3.0. It's a decentralized tool that's going to empower or put more balance of power into the users to attract more users into decentralized systems to create a better user experience for all, making up more equity and more value for all parties involved. Is that correct? That is correct. But maybe you're you're pointing at something here because the the weaker party is what is the stronger party is today, which is the the, uh, the network, the platform. So the platform will become a more neutral platform. It would be uh, more difficult to to uh, to pivot around and, and make a lot of money on, on collecting data because uh, you have to compete on the service layers and, and not so much on on having most data about uh, individuals this is very interesting i can't wait to see what web 3.0 looks like in my new dApps on web 3.0 <laughs> kirk nielsen co-founder and president of partiza blockchain thank you very much for coming on the show thank you for having me in our next conversation we talk to the founder of ontology lee jun who's going to tell us about identity on the blockchain which is one of my favorite use cases identity on the blockchain is my number one And voting on the blockchain is my number two. Actually, they're probably both in my number one spot. And there's other ones as well. But those are my two favorite use cases of blockchain tech. And we're going to learn about identity right now. Why decentralized identity? Look, decentralized identity or identity on the blockchain is one of my favorite topics. I think it's super important to make sure that our identity is secure um, and Mm -hmm. also in our control. Why do you think uh, decentralized data is better than, say, centralized government-led data? Okay, decentralized data data is not means every data have to store in decentralized storage. That means decentralized means every individual organization they can control their own data, 
and people can do the cooperation uh, as a decentralized approach without any big centralized third-party service providers. So that is decentralized data means. So identity, of course, is based on that. Today, when we just do some crypto, uh, digital currency or digital assets, maybe you needn't, you just need address, needn't identity. But one day, more and more assets from a real world and the real world business coming, and or even credit information coming, and uh, the data, especially decentralized data and uh, ID will be more and more important. And how, how so will it be more and more important? Can you tell me how it might be used? Yeah. For example, uh, you know, decentralized finance is quite hot topic. People think, okay, we need into uh, this kind of, we just need address. You can uh, participate in any kind of decentralized finance. But you can realize that that is not kind of traditional finance. Because traditional finance, that means you can use your credit information to get money from bank for financial service. But if DeFi, you have to put more money to get another money. It's kind of trading, it's not kind of financial service. If you think, okay, finally, decentralized finance will to the real business scenario, you have to create new credit-based information. But those kind of credit-based information cannot depend on one or two centralized service only. They need control by the user by themselves. So you need, and how to control that? You need a kind of index, you need a kind of one thing's identity to manage or link to all those kind of data or information. So decentralized identity in next phase for blockchain. So it's quite important. That's interesting. This might be a weird question and I'm going to ask it Mm -hmm. anyway. There has been very popular TikToks going around of deep Mm -hmm. fakes, um, Tom Cruise. I don't know if you've seen them. Tom Cruise deep fakes. And honestly, I can't tell the difference between Tom Cruise deep fake or Tom Cruise real. And I can only see that there's going to be a slippery slope um, of, you know, maybe it's going to be uh, Xi Jinping or uh, uh, President Joe Biden or whoever is going to be, you know, doing deep fakes. We're not going to be able to tell the difference. Can identity Mm -hmm. on the blockchain help us identify different uh, news or uh, people or publishers or our social medias to make sure that they're authentic? Of course, you have to think you you want to trust uh, information of people. Uh, they have three kinds of uh, dimension for trust. One is technology. You can use technology to verify that. Like they can prove their Bitcoin advice for that. Another is uh, approach is uh, use uh, socialized socialized uh, mechanism. For example, you can a lot of different high reputation people. To as an endorser for your message, for your experience. There's also credit, some uh, credit. And uh, another kind of is based on the cent- even centralized private service. There's kind of data private service, verification service still can be used. But difference point is every people to control those kind of centralized verification by themselves. When I push a message, for example, I say, I'm a blockchain expert. Uh, for for 500 experience, you maybe maybe this is not true, but you cannot verify that. But use decentralized identity. I can link all kinds of verification information for you. Some information maybe from individual. They have the high reputation. Maybe it's from another Twitter. Maybe from linking. Maybe from my my private companies and colleagues. You can prove those verify the information is true or not. But that is have balance between privacy and how to build trust. No people, no third part 
service will store those kind of information. Everything controlled by yourself. Last question, Mijun, thank you for coming on the show. But uh, my last question is, what is the timeline for actually rolling out something like digital identity? And where could it be done first? China, US, UK? In early stage, you know, right now, already have a use case. For example, we have a DeFi project called Win Finance, W-I-N-G Finance. They have a pool. It's based on your credit information. That means you just put few money to government money, but you need your, you use decentralized identity to verify, to prove yourself, and to got your credit information. So this kind of already have a real case. Uh, but the next phase, I believe, NFT, STO, that link to the real assets will become another popular field for the decentralized identity because people need to uh, verify the assets. I mean, the real asset is belong to you. Who are you? You need to, to get, do the settlement off-chain. On-chain is do the token transfer or, or, or exchange, but off-chain do the settlement. And even some STO, the real stock in the real world, real company also need a kind of K KYC and linkage. So that is a lot of case we're coming from this part. Awesome. Lee Jun, founder of Ontology. Thank you for coming on the show and talking about identity on the blockchain. Yeah. And another news. Exodus Movement, the firm behind the popular Exodus wallet, wants to get you to buy their shares. And how are they going to do that? Through their wallet. They want you to buy their stock through their wallet with, not cash, but Bitcoin, Ethereum, and USDC. This Nebraska-based firm has filed with the SEC, or the Securities and Exchange Commission, for permission to sell $75 million in their shares of their company. The shares of their company will be going for $27.42 a pop with this Reg A filing. And a Reg A filing offers the retail investor the ability to buy stocks instead of just accredited investors. This share price is based on a $710 million valuation for the company. In a bullish sign, the total number of Bitcoin on exchanges is starting to fall steeply, having declined since the start of 2021, according to Glassnode. Knowing how much Bitcoin is held in exchanges can tell us a lot about the current state of the Bitcoin market, as well as insights of what Bitcoin investors are thinking. And so what does that mean? It means if you're keeping Bitcoin on exchanges, you're kind of geared to sell. You're going to sell at a drop of a dime. You hear news? Boom, sell. You hear some other news? Boom, buy. <laughs> and you're keeping it there for those transactions. Well, if you're moving your Bitcoin off an exchange, you're more likely going to be long-term hodling, or at least kind of short long-term hodling. You're just putting it there for a while for safekeeping because you think the Bitcoin price is going to go up, or you want to take a longer position and you're not even thinking about selling it. Well, between February 23rd and March 2nd, there has been a 2% decline in Bitcoin held on exchanges. This corresponds to about 52,900 Bitcoin, or $2.7 billion. However, there's still 2.3 million Bitcoin on exchanges, which might sound like a lot, but it's the lowest amount since July of 2018. In kind of related news, did you know there are 3.3 million Bitcoin that haven't been moved for almost seven years, or about 17.9% of Bitcoin's circulating supply? Do you know how much 3.3 million Bitcoin is? $160 billion. Well, that's the HODL gang. The HODL gang is HODLing. And they're stacking sats. And those sats equate to almost 18% of Bitcoin's supply. Our boy Gary Gensler, President Biden's nomination for chairman of the SEC, said today in his Senate confirmation hearing that cryptocurrencies have been, in quote, a catalyst for change. 
He continues to say Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have brought new thinking to payments and financial inclusion, but they've also raised new issues of investor protection that we still need to attend to. He continues to say, he continues to say that if he was confirmed, he'd work to both promote new innovation, but also at the core ensure investor protection. This kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. I guess what I'm trying to say is get your crew together. Don't do it alone. Two heads are better than one and four heads might be better than two. When you're new to this, new to investing, say if even Robin Hood or maybe flipping houses or crypto, it's, it's all foreign. It's all a learning experience. And well, your crew can help you out. Just talk about things. Just talk about things with them. Run through scenarios, run through trades, run through even sending your Bitcoin to a wallet. Make sure you're doing it right. And this will give you peace of mind. Also, it will educate everybody else at the same time. And it could also prevent you from doing something and making a mistake that could be very costly. So in summary, I'm bullish that Ginzer thinks of cryptocurrency and blockchain and Bitcoin as innovative and here to stay for the most part. But he also looks that he needs to protect the investors. And one way you can protect yourself is getting your crew. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Don't forget, go to Apple Podcasts. Like, subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Tomorrow, I have a great conversation about Coinbase. They're going to have a direct listing here pretty soon on the NASDAQ. And I had questions. Executive Editor Jeff Roberts comes on the show to answer those questions. That's tomorrow on the Decrypt Daily. And until then, happy hodling.